so um, a couple of Sundays ago, I began to, uh, well, I, yeah, I did begin to sum up our Faith in, a- Faith in Action series. And I was saying I wanted to bring some of my uh, highlights, challenges and inspirations um, from the five biblical characters that we focused on during our series. Can we remember their names? It was Abraham, Abraham Noah, Esther, yep. Ruth and Daniel. Fantastic. Last time I shared some stuff from the lives of Noah and, and Ruth and how they expressed their faith in their faithful God. And we also spent some time uh, considering uh, unhealthy and healthy soul ties, how they affect our lives. And um, we looked at some examples from Ruth and Naomi and from Esther and Mordecai and Haman and Mordecai, and just saw how their uh, relationships um, revealed some soul ties. If you haven't heard any of the talks, or you've missed some, or you want to just recap and go back over them, they're all on the website. Um, So a big shout-out to Rob, who uh, diligently makes sure uh, they go up there for us. So thanks to him. Today, I want want to have another look at... um, Esther, and possibly after Easter, we'll have a look at Abraham and Daniel. And, and I, my desire is that we're freshly challenged to live our lives by foot, putting our faith in our faithful God, putting it into action. Now, it wasn't my intention to do more than one week of, of a sum up, uh, but you know, the more you spend time looking at things and hearing people speak, um, and then you start thinking about it, it's like more stuff gets brought up. And I was just sensing the Lord wants us to linger uh, longer, for us to see what he wants to say to us, not just through me, but through us, as we read and think about these biblical uh, characters. Um, there's an older uh, Jewish saying, to, to turn the gem, turning the gem, Rabbis, Jewish teachers, used it to describe interpreting uh, God's words from different perspectives. So it's like the Bible, um, God's word, is, is like a diamond. And as you look at the diamond and the light comes in, you see something different about it. And as you turn that gem and turn it, and turn, you see different things and different angles and different looks. You'd see more than what you get from one perspective or one quick look. As you take time over looking at the diamond, um, yeah, so you see more. Now, uh, you know, they say that diamonds are a girl's best friend. I do not believe diamonds are a girl's best friend. Okay, ladies? Jesus is a girl's best friend. It's Jesus that you want to look at and, and seek and find and know not diamonds. Diamonds are just hard rocks that look pretty. Jesus is life and life in all its fullness. So by turning the word of God, we can look into it and we get revelation. Uh, we, we, we get to know God deeper and richer and more fuller. We get to know our saviour. We get to know who he is and what he's like. We also get to know ourselves better as we look into it. And we get to know and understand other people better as well as we turn the gem of God's words. And so 
Um, do you know, have you ever had that time when you've been reading the Bible and you think, I've never read that before. Now, it might be that you've never read it before and it's just because you haven't read it before. But say you've read the Bible and you've read it through a few times, you know, and then you come across a bit and you think, I've never read that before. Where's that come from? It's been hiding. And you get fresh revelation and, and insight. And you think, it's like I'm reading this scripture for the very first time. It's like God takes out his megaphone and shouts. You think, why didn't I? I've wasted my whole life. Why didn't I get this before? But you do it. But if I'm honest with you, as we, as we read through the Bible, I, this is, I'm not saying the Bible's boring, but sometimes there are bits of the Bible that I think are boring. And I, and I think, does that, does that really matter? Does, is, is that relevant to us? Or there are some bits, and, and normally where it is the tricky bit, I find, is when I'm doing the, the children's work, right? And uh, we've got a subject, and they, they go, oh, here's what you're going to do. And then you start looking at something, you think, how do I explain that to children? How do I convey, what? What? God, why is this even in the Bible? I don't understand. And it, so it, it causes you to quite... And then, as you question and as you lean in and as you examine it, you can find revelation and truth and stuff that is life that wasn't there at the first glance, that, that, wasn't, that you just think, why? And then you go, oh, oh. And I love it. I love it where you hear someone preach, teach, bring a prophetic word, have a conversation with someone, and you're talking about the stuff of God and the Bible that you've read loads of times, and then they say something, and you just go, oh, oh, wow, oh, wow. It's not, I'm not saying it changes what the Bible's saying. I'm saying it's bringing deeper revelation, insight from the Spirit of God as the Word and the Spirit come together and the people come together and look at the gem. Look at it. Look at it. Whoa! Look at that. I've never seen that before. Have you ever seen that before? And so may we be stirred and sparked up to turn as we turn the gem of God's Word uh, together. So, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that it is so precious. I thank you, Lord, that you long to reveal who you are, what you've done, who we are, where we're at, what we're doing, like the, non, like the madness of the world. Lord, you are, you speak, you communicate, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for scripture. We thank you for the spirit. And so, Lord, if we're in that place of just thinking, whoa, help us, help us to hang in with you, to, to find a deeper truth and a deeper revelation, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, this, I don't think I'm going to say anything, well, probably a few bits that Julian said. Julian spoke on Esther. I'd recommend his two talks on Esther. I don't think in any way I'm trying to improve it or correct it. That's not the heart. But the heart is as looking at it again, going, oh, I didn't see that before for me. And I just want to share that. So in the book of Esther, in chapter 3, we're told that there is a plot to kill God's people. So the Jewish people, there's a plot to kill them. There's a guy called Haman. He's an advisor to the king. It says that he's an enemy of the Jews. And he says to King Xerxes, there's a certain people that are dispersed among the peoples in all the 
prophecy, prophecy, that word there, uh, of your kingdom. They keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from those of all other people, and they do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them. And I will give 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury. Like, let's do this thing. And you know what? I'm so happy, king, about doing this thing. I'll give you a gift. Let's kill all the Jews. So the king takes his signet ring from his finger. He gives it to Haman and... um, He says, keep the money, keep the money and do with the people as you please. That is chilling. That is chilling, isn't it? King is abdicating all responsibility and going, yeah, you do what you like with those people. We won't value them. We won't like, just do what you like. So dispatches were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with the order... This is the order. Destroy, kill, annihilate. All the Jews, young and old, women and children, on a single day, the 13th day of the 12th month, plunder their goods, take their stuff. And a copy was made and sent to all and sundry. Why? So the people of that nationality of all the nationalities would be ready for that day. What? Ready to obey the king's orders, kill the Jews. You know, as you think through the Bible, you'll find that God's people suffer persecution. They suffer persecution throughout history, throughout our history. God's people, the Jews, suffer persecution. Jesus suffered persecution Christians suffer persecutions. People die for their faith like every day. I don't know what the statistic is. Because they love Jesus and hold on to Jesus, they're persecuted. People die because of that. I've got um, open doors. So what, what's one of the um, thingies on your phone, your social media thing? I, I look at open doors. And open doors. I saw this this morning. There's a pastor in India and he says this. Even if I lose my life, I will not stop serving the Lord. Even if I lose my life, I will not stop serving the Lord. These were the often repeated words of Pastor Yalam Shaknar. His, his name was on a list of 30 believers he found tacked to his door in January. A warning, this. Anyone on the list who converted someone else to Christianity, they would get killed. So if they led someone to faith in Jesus, they were going to get killed. In other words, don't tell anyone else about Jesus, the gospel, the good news, otherwise we are going to kill you. So this pastor was recently found beside his house in India, murdered for his resolve to live out those words. He carried on telling people about Jesus. 
that is what our family in India face at the moment. It's not, that is just one small, like, like look at the Open Doors watch list. Look at the, the, the top 50 countries, how impossible it is to live as Christians. They're our brothers and sisters. We are living in the age and time and have been of persecution. It's nothing new, but we're not used to it. And in living in the country we live in and the West, we can have a very comfortable marshmallow Christianity. And we get the ump when God doesn't do what we want when we want. And we're devoid of all suffering because, oh, if God's not doing that, God doesn't work, then I'll leave him. That, that is not uh, biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is you, if you're going to follow me, says Jesus, you will suffer, you will have hard times. Life will be hard, but take heart. Take heart. I've overcome the world. Persevere. Press on. Don't lose heart. Don't, don't like, move on. So... There's this order in a time of history. I'm saying that so we can get our imaginations into it. Someone said to me the other day, I think, was, was it you? He said, do you think in words or in images? And I thought about it. For, was it you, DJ, who said this? No? Maybe. I can't remember. And, uh, and I had to think about it. Do I think in words or pictures? And then I thought, actually, I think in words most of the time. Like Helen, she can read a book and she's watching a movie. I don't read novels, I just like, they're just words. It doesn't, you know, and other people can be quite imaginative. But, so when I'm reading the Bible and I'm not engaging my imagination and my imaginative, I can read the words and it means less. Because when you start going, oh, shove, the news comes out, on a certain day, everyone who is a Jew is going to be killed, annihilated, wiped out. Imagine if they announced that today in this country and I'm a Christian. All the Christians are going to be, how would I feel about it then? It would change. Yeah? Because So we want to get into it. As we're turning the gem, get into it a bit more. So, the thing about, and I pray that this hits home to us. <laughs> the thing about Esther, she was a Jew. She was a queen. Where did she live? She lived in a privileged position. She'd been made queen, so she lived in luxury. She lived in safety, luxury, safety, and comfort. Luxury, safety, and comfort. Any bells ringing? Life was good for Esther. She lived in a bubble of calm. She was doing all right. And she was not aware of what was happening in the world around her. She hadn't heard the news. She didn't know what was going on. She spied her cousin Mordecai, who didn't look very happy. Quick, find out what's wrong with him. Then she hears the news. They, they want to kill everyone. Like She wasn't living in the time of BBC 24-hour news or social media or... Facebook. She didn't know what was going on. But you know what? Sometimes we don't know what's going on, what's really going on, or we turn a deafen or a blinden because we don't want to know because it's too much for us. Like, just let me be in comfort. Let me be in luxury. Let me be in safety. Don't bother me. I'm all right as I am. Please, let me just get on with our lives. 
So, Mordecai, that's Esther's cousin, he gave one of Esther's servants a copy of the text of the order, Annihilation. Show it to her and then get her, instruct her to go into the king's presence, beg for mercy, plead for him, plead for him, for our people. Go get Esther, because he wasn't allowed to go, get her to go and talk to the king. The problem is, for Esther, it wasn't as simple as that. Because if Esther just bowls up to go to the king, the law says you can't do that. And if you do it, you die. You've just asked me to do something. You've just asked me to take a step of risk, a, st- a cost. You know, it's been a month since I last saw the king. Maybe he doesn't want to see me. And if I just go and see him, he might kill me. So Mordecai hears this issue and, um, and he says this to her. So there is one thing. If the king, if the king saw the person, say Esther, coming towards him and he turned his golden scepter to her and he said, you're welcome here, then it would be all right. She could come. But it was at the king's discretion, the king's whim, if you like. So Mordecai hears what she's saying and so he sends some encouragement to her. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Now that is faith. That is faith. That is Mordecai seeing things that, that couldn't be seen. He's got faith that God is going to rescue the people. But he's saying, it's you, Esther. God wants to use you. God wants to speak through you. So um, don't think you're going to escape in your comfort and safety and security. Just, you know, be careful. You and your family, your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. Just think about Esther. Has God been navigating behind your back? Has God been organising things so you are in the place you are in now so that you can do what you need to do now? So often we don't know what God is up to and we, we feel like we're bumbling along or maybe it's just me bumbling along and we're, oh, oh, well, am I ready now to step into what God wants me to do. So Esther sends a reply, this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews in Susa. Fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days or night, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, then I perish. I'm going to do it, but we need help. We need help from Almighty God. We need his miraculous intervention. We need him. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, trust him, but get round me, help me. You know, I'm inspired and I'm challenged by Esther. When she was in this situation, she could have easily gone into self-preservation mode. It's all about me. It's all about my safety. It's all about my family. Keep it safe. Keep it distant. She could have ignored Mordecai's request. She could have thought, 
oh well, if God's going to save you, he can save you using someone else and I'll take my chances about my future. Just, just don't bother me with it now. She could have stayed safe and comfortable. She could have decided not to risk her life. Yet, she makes the choice to risk her life. Why? For the sake of others. Even though it's going to cost her. And in fact, she doesn't value her life over the need to help others and to stand in the place of intercession and advocacy for them. If I die, if I perish, I will perish, but I will do what I've been asked to do. I need help from God, so pray and fast for me. So Esther's job is to go into the place of intercession. Intercession is to stand in the gap between God and people, God and the situation, to be there, to present that situation to God. God, look at this. Do you know about this? And then to present God to the people and the situation, to speak out God's word, speak out God's truth, speak out a better word to the people and to the life, to share the goodness of God. That's intercession. That is what Esther was going to do. An advocacy to speak up for those who had no voice. No one else could get anywhere near that king to speak on their behalf, but Esther could. They didn't have a voice, but she was there to help people to have a voice, to find their voice. A voice that they didn't get was given to them because Esther was able to speak to the king on their behalf. Esther is ready to give her life for the cause. That is rescuing, saving God's people. When we are to put our faith into action, it often involves us stepping out of our comfort zone, taking a risk, paying a cost, engaging in prayer and fasting, working it through, working it out, seeking God for miraculous intervention. We get involved in it. And the truth is, without God, there is no life. Without God, there is only death and destruction. And we are in a war. We are in a battle. We've got an enemy who wants to destroy. You know, hearing about people being annihilated, wiped out. Well, that is what Satan wants to do to God's people. He's been doing it throughout history. Who's behind the persecution? Jesus says, the thief only comes to steal, kill, destroy. I've come that you may have life and life in all its fullness. You know, we come as the people of God, us together across the nations, we come under spiritual attack physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. The enemy, the devil, wants to kill and steal and destroy so that the people of God see abundant listen for this abundant life is not always what we think it is because we can come up with an image of abundant life abundant life is this knowing God hearing what he says and obeying him that is true abundant life, that you know the purpose of God and you live it out. You know the purpose and plans of God and you partner with him. 
You know the purpose and plans of God and you fulfill them. That is abundant life. Abundant life is not sitting on a beach drinking pina coladas in your, in your underwear. We, we, we've been sold a lie. The lie, the true joy of life is being used up for God's purpose. Then we can know true, full life. You know, we can be tempted by reasons, good reasons or excuses as to why we cannot do what the Lord Jesus is asking us to do. Where the Holy Spirit is leading us, whatever we're being asked to do, we can come up with a good reason or a good excuse. Well, you know, there is a good reason. I can't do what God's asking me through you, Mordecai, because I could get killed now, that sounds like a really good reason to me. Yeah, I'm not going to do that because I got, could get killed. But are we not to uh, not love our lives so much? Are we not meant to be thinking, actually, you know, this life and this home is not my permanent resident. I'm a stranger here on earth. I've got a hope in heaven. I've got a home in heaven for all eternity with God. So, so what if my life is lost here? if I gain eternal life with him. You know, what does it profit someone if they gain the whole world but lose their soul? But do we think like that? So yeah, Esther, you've got a good reason why you shouldn't risk yourself. But you know, there may be a good reason or just a reason or even an excuse as to why you or me doesn't do what the Lord is asking us. But, you know, Paul says... I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And it's not in the sense I can do all things because I might not be able to beat Roger Federer in a game of tennis. I can do all the things that God is asking me to do. If he's asking me to do it, then he's going to enable me to do it. And if he's asking you to do it, he's going to enable you to do it. And if he's asking us to do it, he's going to enable us. But we don't want to be doing everything, because not everything is what God is asking us to do. So we need to discern what God is asking us to do. So God enables us. God enables us. God would enable... So if persecution did come to us, God would enable us. God would give us all that we need. We just need to make the right choices and lean into him at the right time, in the right place, being the people of God. So, as those who follow Jesus, we are called, we are called to go into the king's presence. Okay? If you like, the golden scepter is always there. We're always welcomed. We're always accepted because of Jesus, through his blood, through his sacrifice, that we can go boldly, courageously into the very presence and throne room of mighty God. Not because of our own righteousness or anything that we've done, but all because of Jesus, we can go into the Father's presence. So we are called, first of all, to be people of the presence of God, to be in relationship with him. Then a people of intercession where we stand in the gap and represent people, situations to God, and then God to those people and situations, speaking out God's word, to be those who give a voice to those who haven't got a voice, to pray for those. So you know, there, there's stuff for us uh, to do. 
You know, we have, we, in the world we live in, there are massive problems all over the place. And they, they manifest physically. But in the spiritual, in the spiritual realm, spiritual problems are not so solved by physical answers. Okay, there are physical answers. So yeah, we do need to give someone some bread, but there are spiritual reasons why. There's other stuff going on. And so we need to give spiritual problems, spiritual answers as well and work with God. And so he's given us the awesome privilege of prayer, of intercession, of intimacy with him so that we can be those who do the work of God in situations. So Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy Boy, do we need mercy. Boy, does this earth need mercy. And find grace to help us in our time of need. So, here's a question that I'm challenged by. Inspired. Will I give up my life? Will I give up my comfort? Will I give up my safety for the cause of God's kingdom and receive his life in all its fullness? Now, that's one question. And so, what they've been finding in countries where believers are being persecuted, they're saying, deny Jesus or we'll kill you. And they'll say, kill me then. Do what you like. So they've realised that that doesn't work. So what they do is they get the children and they say, if you don't deny Jesus, we're going to kill your children. And so I've heard hearing stories of persecuted people who are training their children training their children in that moment to be able to say, Mum, Dad, it's okay. Like we, We're in this together. We believe in Jesus. He's help, help us. If they kill us, they kill us. Wow. So it's one thing writing a check on your behalf and paying it. It's another thing when we go, oh, yeah, but what about? And so if I give my life up, then what does that mean for those I know and love? Consequences. But we are called at this moment, I'm convinced, to be those that are intercessors, advocates. Go and make disciples. Break chains of injustice. Let us do what we can do today. And so we need to prepare ourselves to be a people who are ready to step into whatever the Lord God wants us to step into. Uh, there's a great verse. It's from the message Galatians 6, 4 and 5, it says this. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself and don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. No finger pointing, no comparing, just, Lord, I need to discern what you're asking me to do. We need to discern what he's asking us to do as well, but, you know, I'm responsible for me. I know we're responsible for one another in one sense, but we're responsible for how we respond to Jesus, whether we ignore him, deny him, live with him, live without him. It's, 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 it's our choice. And so may we be those that make excellent choices. 
Choose Jesus. So, to finish, is there any situation, so just go into a place of, of prayer, quietness before God now, and just imagine he's, he's, he's asking this to you. Is there any situation that I've asked you to do where you think it involves too much risk or cost to you? Have I asked you to pray and fast over something that you have not responded to by committing yourself to pray and fast? Lord, may we be those that are ready to respond in faith to those things that you ask us to do. Thank you, Lord, that you are our help. You are our strength. Show us where we have been put into a particular place for such a time as this. And we, we reckon we don't need to be a queen or a king. But we just need to be the right people in the right place at the right time. So help us to respond in faith to you, counting the cost, but giving it all to you. Help us to walk by faith and not by sight, we pray, Lord. For your glory, for your kingdom coming, for your will being done for people to be rescued and saved from the dominion of darkness, for, for people to be saved from annihilation. And, and yeah, God, lead us, guide us, we pray, for your glory, for your purposes. Amen. Be blessed and encouraged. Be challenged, but be blessed and encouraged because... We can do it through him who gives us the strength. Amen.